It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Jason, you know it's been blowing my mind a little bit. <laughs> I could guess a litany of things, but they're probably not correct. So do you want me to try and guess, or do you just want to tell me? Actually, why not? Go ahead and guess. I have a feeling you're going to tell me that you discovered a new brand that is the first company to make widely available gluten-free vegan croissants. Where the heck did that come from? <laughs> I don't know where anything comes from. It just, I pull it from the ethers and it comes through my brain and out my mouth. Is that it? I think is you're projecting. It? No, it's, it's not. not oh, I was hoping Sorry for to a disappoint. croissant. I think you're mm. revealing what you're actually hoping for. And well, yeah. That certainly does sound good. Who wouldn't want a nice gluten-free vegan buttery croissant? Who wouldn't want that? Croissant. Croissant. Who wouldn't want that? I would take a <laughs> croissant right now. Um, yeah. But that's not oh, it. Anyway, I am projecting. No, I'm sorry. It's not. Okay. I mean, it's actually really sad now that you've... <laughs> you asked me to guess. That, that was the yeah. first thing that came through. Now that you're guessing what the thing that is, quote, blowing my mind does not sound exciting oh, whatsoever. God. I mean, I'm just blown away that it's July 1st. <sighs> I feel like, mm. I mean, people say this a lot. It's almost becoming a cliche thing. And it's been coming up a lot this year in 2020 during COVID, especially like our relationship with time and how certain months go by really fast and other months feel like they're lasting forever. Yeah. And it's so common to feel like you've lost track of time. And what day is it? Especially, I think, when you're working from home, which is something you and I have each been doing for over 10 years. But if anybody who is new to working from home or even being a parent for the first time, I think when your environment changes and your relationship with work or life changes, it can shift your perception of time a lot. And June went by incredibly fast. In fact, I had this sad moment over the weekend of June 20th, which was a really interesting time because there was a eclipse. There was a new moon, both on the same day. And we went into Mercury retrograde a few days before that. So there was a lot of astrological energy going on. And another side note is <laughs> because of all of those things going on, I was just reflecting as I, I like to do from time to time in different phases of the year. So uh, you know, it's also the summer equinox, right? We're starting the 21st of June and officially becoming summer, which is also the longest day of the year, I think. We have the light for the most amount of time. And I always look forward to that day, but then simultaneously feel depressed around June 21st because then it's like all downhill from there. <laughs> we start yeah. losing light. Yeah. And that I remember actually, I associate that thought and that feeling with being in Europe one year, one summer. And I was in my early 20s and 
the people that I was traveling with mentioned like today's the longest day of the year. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. But that also feeling like, oh, that means that now we kind of go in this decline. And so anyways, I felt a little sad about that. And then just when time passes really quickly, that can also feel a little bit sad. And for me, it's a reminder to be more present and really appreciate every moment, every hour, every day that we have that grounds me and helps me feel like time isn't slipping away. And time in general has been something that I've been experiencing all sorts of different relationships with in the past week or so. I I actually got very regimented with my time and putting things on my calendar and using my to-do list every day. And for the listener, I cannot recommend enough this wonderful platform called TickTick. That'll be one of the things that we link to in our show notes at wellevator.com. So if you're brand new to our podcast, welcome. And even if you are a a longtime listener of ours, which we're very grateful for, we encourage whoever you are to go to our website, which is wellevator.com. That's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you go to the podcast section of our website, every single episode has show notes, which is a transcript and a resource section. So you can read the episodes, you can listen to them there, and you can find links to everything we mentioned. And one of the things that we'll put in the show notes today is Tick Tick. And I absolutely love this system of organizing my days. And I go through lots of different phases throughout each year. And sometimes I'm in a phase like now where (laughs) I'm literally planning out every day minute by minute And sometimes that can feel very stressful, but right now it's been really helpful because it helps me accomplish a lot and stay organized and balanced. And it simultaneously makes the days feel like a lot's happening. So they're more rewarding and satisfying. But it's also amazing to see how quickly time goes by, especially when I'm monitoring my time. So what I've been doing is I put all of these different tasks into this Tick Tick program. And one of the things I love about that program is you can organize it by priority. So I set my priorities for each day based on what I want to accomplish, what I want to feel, what I need to get done for whatever you know business-related thing it is. And then I'll also add in rewarding things like or um, feel-good things, I should say, such as moving my body. So I put my exercise routine on the calendar, which as a side note, has really helped me during this time of COVID where I haven't been going to workout classes in person, although that's about to change. Well, technically by the time you're listening to this, it'll have already changed. But for me, as of the day that we're recording this on June 22nd, I am going to my very first in-person yoga class. So we could talk about that today. Anyways, because I've been doing working out from home for the past few months, if I put it on my calendar, I am more disciplined about working out at home and watching a video. So anyways, I'm bringing all of this up because of the relationship to time that I've felt and how it has, it just feels like time is flying by. And when I looked on the calendar today and saw that this episode comes out on July 1st, I'm like, what? How is it going to be July 1st already? That means that we're already more than halfway through the year. And I also feel like the second half of the year tends to go by faster than the first half. Are you with me on that, Jason? 
Mm, I think it depends on a variety <laughs> of factors, honestly. I mean, I love your honesty with that. <laughs> you really considered that question. I appreciate that. You're like, yeah. oh, no, I don't agree with you. Yeah, I just I think that this year in general has it's just been a clusterfuck. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing because I think it's shaking up a lot of old paradigms and a, a lot of old systems and hierarchies and ways of being and left a lot of people looking like the shrug emoji, which is kind of how I feel, you know, 82.7% of the time, just throwing my hands up. <laughs> I really hope that our editor of the episode puts in a stock image of somebody shrugging. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that's how that's kind of. By yeah. the way, for the listener, we don't complete our show notes. We review them. But when you go to our website and you look at the show notes for each episode, those were created by somebody else on our team and they pick all these stock images. So I'm just imagining like like a guy shrugging his shoulders like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Well, what are you going to do is kind of the sentiment, like I said, yeah, 82.7% of the time. Or how about this, Jason? What if instead of a stock image, we submit an image of you shrugging? I bet you I have one somewhere. I wish I could like search my photos with the keyword shrug and find like a picture of you going, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm sure there over the years there is one. It's just finding it it might be easier for me just to do one and send it in. Yep, honestly. let's do it. I'm calling it in, right? I'm going to put that on our to-do list, speaking of which, for you to take a picture of yourself shrugging just for these show notes. And maybe that'll encourage the listener to go to our show notes to see a picture of Jason shrugging. Yeah, I mean... Done. I can't think of anything more compelling than that. <laughs> Want to see a picture of me shrugging in the show notes? Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Got to run to the computer. Got to run. So time is interesting because, first of all, there's this idea that time is a human-created concept, which I believe that it is because animals and trees and insects and nature and amoebas and protozoa and bacteria are not worried about their 4 p.m. Zoom call. It's a non-existent concept. So time, or rather the measurement thereof and the structure we've created goes way back to sundials and and using the positions of the sun and ancient Egypt and ancient Aztecs and a lot of ancient cultures use different methods to measure time. And of course, we have numerical systems to measure time now and a lot of debate over daylight savings time and whether or not that should be, you know, done with. But it's clear to me that that time is a relative concept and it's something that's human created. So when people say time is real, it's only real because we've agreed on it it's a collective myth that we agree upon. It doesn't exist in nature. So the interesting thing to me is I also go back to, I remember in high school learning about Einstein's theory of relativity and the relationship between time and space. And to paraphrase one thing that always stuck with me about Albert Einstein, he said, the perception of time is a relative thing because if you're spending time, say, with a a beautiful stranger having a conversation at a coffee shop, because you're engaged in a way and focused your energy in a certain way, time seems to speed up, right? It's like the good moments, the times when you're engaged, the joyful times on a trip with a lover on vacation, doing something you love seems to zoom by. But if you're at a job you dislike and you're constantly looking at the clock, it seems like an hour feels like days. So his whole idea was that your engagement and the effect, the observer effect, the quantum effect of the observer and the observer's relationship to the time changes how we perceive the way that time is speeding up or slowing down, which I still think is fascinating. 
It is really fascinating. And it reminds me of the realization I had. I have this very vivid memory of being like a preteen, I would suppose. And my parents had invited over a bunch of their friends for some like, it's probably summertime. I don't remember exactly what time of year it was, but my, my parents were having some sort of outdoor party and they invited over some people that had kids my age. And I remember very distinctly like exactly where I was in my backyard. And it was just like me with a couple kids and, you know, myself being a kid at that time. And um, we were talking to each other about how time flies when you're having fun. And it was like this sweet memory of trying to understand the relationship to time. And and as you evolve and mature as a person, that changes so much. And here we were talking about this again, like, let's just say we were like 12 years old or whatever. We determined that the best way for time to slow down was for us to pretend that we weren't having fun. (laughs) We're like, okay, if time flies when you're having fun, <laughs> then maybe we can slow time down by not having fun and being bored. And it was just such a sweet, like little innocent moment in my life, you know? I think it's funny that you guys were trying to do a quantum experiment at that age. <laughs> yeah, let's you're in- right. That's basically- <laughs> let's intentionally force ourselves to not have a good time so that this shit slows down. All right. All right. Come on. You were directly trying to apply the, you know, the quantum effect that Einstein was talking about, which is hilarious to me. Yeah. I mean, have you ever tried to do that? I mean, you must have had that thought early on at some point and like been frustrated. I mean, the other thing I think about is just all the like sweet moments in life where you look back and you're like, wow, only I knew how good I had it or wow, like I can't believe I'm X age, you know, and where did the time go? And just, I think about that too, with my grandfather who passed away, but he lived until he was 97 and a half. And he would often talk about that, about how time just went by really quickly. And yet it was also interesting in his last few years of life, it seemed like he I don't know if bored would have been the right word, but he wasn't really doing anything. And so I often wondered what time felt like for him at that point when you just like have less going on in your life. You know what I mean? Like it's interesting too, as children, we do have a lot going on, but we we are so acutely aware of boredom. And then boredom also came up a lot in conversations about COVID. Like as I was saying earlier, our relationships to time changed so much over the past few months. And a lot of people were like, I'm so bored because things were not the same as they used to be and you couldn't socialize. And like a lot of the things that brought us joy felt like they were on pause. And so we suddenly were almost like reminded what it was like to be a kid and get bored, even though there was so much to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Boredom is an interesting thing because I have a reaction to when people tell me that they're bored. I've noticed I have a reaction to it, Whitney. And I'm trying to get to the bottom of this reaction when people have told me they're bored. Because one side of it is, as you brilliantly detailed, the situation we're in with quarantine and COVID. And at the time of this recording, there's been a massive uptick in cases in Arizona and Texas and California and Florida. You know, So there's this talk of a second wave and, quote, normalcy has not returned in any regard, really. 
to be honest. There's an attempt at normalcy, but my perception is people are still you know, kind of in the house, right? But I notice that I have a reaction to boredom in the sense of I'm like, okay, you're bored. Read, journal, sketch, go buy a guitar, do something creative and productive with your life instead of just sitting there. And, you know, actually our friend Adam, I was talking to him about it. He's like, well, maybe you just don't appreciate downtime as much. And I'm like, yeah, I probably don't appreciate downtime. I think I still have some workaholic tendencies perhaps, or, or maybe pushing myself too hard, which I've been aware of for years. I just think the word boredom, it's almost like I get into sort of, for lack of a better word, a, a, a parental mindset where I'm like, why are you bored? Like there's a million things you could be doing right now. You know what I mean? Like maybe by virtue of the fact that I like to fill my days with a lot of creativity, Whitney, you know, from recording this podcast and getting it out to more people, or I've been writing a lot of lyrics lately for new songs, you know, looking at buying a new guitar, doing more collaborative things that I don't know. I guess my long answer is when I hear people say they're bored, I'm like, there's a billion things you could be putting your energy toward. Why are you bored? Oh, for sure. I've had those reactions too, but I, I notice in myself sometimes when I feel bored. And part of my well-being practice is to grow my personal awareness. And so now when I have that thought, I just reflect on what that means. And often through the process of reflecting, I realize what the root of it is. You know, What is it and for you? Well, sometimes it's like wanting a distraction. I mean, I'm especially aware of my desires to use my phone or to watch TV or a movie, which I, you know, I do all those things almost every single day. And I've actually been spending less and less time watching TV. There was definitely phases of watching a lot during the beginning parts of COVID and quarantine. And I was also using my Nintendo Switch a lot and playing Animal Crossing every single day. And now I haven't played that in weeks. And I sometimes, <laughs> for anyone listening who has played Animal Crossing, you might be able to relate to this. I feel like guilty in a way that I haven't played because the cool thing about Animal Crossing is it's a little world and you're like taking care of your avatar and, you know, you have a house and a this whole community and like you get so emotionally attached to it. And I think the reason Animal Crossing exploded in popularity is two things. And we talked about this briefly in our episode with Chris Gillibo. So if you haven't listened to that yet, or if you did listen to it, this is a little throwback because when we recorded with him, I was just starting to get into Animal Crossing. So it shows like my evolution. But what I found really interesting about that game was that I think it it did hit at a perfect time when people were feeling bored and they were looking for meaning. They were looking for connection and community. They were looking for something to do that felt like they could achieve something. And you, all of that is triggered in your brain when you use Animal Crossing. Plus, it brings up a lot of nostalgia and like a sweet, innocent thing to do because unlike a lot of video games, Animal Crossing has like no violence or cruelty. There's no like bad guy that you're trying to beat and you're not trying to race time. You're just there living life in a very peaceful way. And you can kind of like put yourself in, uh, live vicariously through these characters. So anyways, that aside, it is interesting though, being in a place where I'm not like I don't feel the desire to play Animal Crossing. I don't feel as much of a desire to be on my phone. I used to spend a lot of time on TikTok. Now I go on TikTok for like five, 10 minutes a day. There were periods where I would go on TikTok for hours and that would be what I did when I was bored. 
And then sometimes I would find myself feeling so bored that I would try to watch TikTok and simultaneously play Animal Crossing, which I would catch myself and like, that was ridiculous. But I think this happens with a lot of people. I also simultaneously still have the desire to watch TV and try to watch TikTok at the same time. And if for anybody who has used TikTok, that's like virtually impossible because both are video based and both are audio based. So you're trying to like split your attention between two similar mediums at the same time. But when I would find that desire coming up for myself, I would realize like my brain was like wanting, like craving so much distraction and entertainment. And sometimes I would feel bored watching TV because it felt like it was moving so slow. And I think the appeal of TikTok is that it goes so quickly, you don't even have a chance to feel bored by it. And it's like this instant gratification. And so you can get lost in that and it becomes very addictive because it's hitting that part of your brain that's like craving entertainment and feed me stimulating things and increase my dopamine, you know, like make me laugh and all of that. So it certainly is fascinating the more that you pay attention to your tendencies and your desires and your relationship with time. And I think that for me, when I structure my day in the way that I've been talking about, it helps me feel less bored and it helps me avoid being distracted for distracted sake. But also to your point, Jason, and I love that Adam said this, and by the way, Adam was a a guest in a previous episode as well. So we'll link to him because he has so much wisdom to share. And it is really important for us to take downtime. It's crucial to our well-being. We need to rest. We need to take breaks. We need to have that joy in our life. And I think a lot of us, as you were saying, Jason, are conditioned into this productivity mode, always being on the hustle and always getting things done and don't slack off. A lot of that is rooted in history and the way that we've been trained through our school systems and through the work structure in in certain countries. And we have to unravel that and really ask ourselves, why do we have that desire? And I certainly have found that it's not necessary. I mean, I am in this mode of massive productivity in my life, but I'm still able to step back and tune into myself. And oftentimes, I'll end up not doing half the things I put on my to-do list for the day simply because I'm allowing myself to be very aware of my priorities. So that helps me a lot. If I, It's kind of like I have my set priorities, my top things that I try to do towards the beginning of the day, and then a bunch of things that I would like to do. But since they're not priorities, I can bump them to the next day or a different day entirely. And and then work through any feelings of guilt that come up for me. One of the biggest challenges I think I've been facing, Whitney, is not just decoding this workaholism tendency that I've noticed and, and getting to the root of where it comes from. I, I have an awareness of, you know, sort of the Catholic guilt from my religious upbringing mixed with growing up with a really hardworking blue collar family, which we've talked about in previous episodes, referencing my grandfather and work ethic and a lot of the business and success coaches talking about hard work and the meaning of hard work. But the thing that I've been struggling with that's, I think, layered on top of that is 
being productive during this COVID period and this time of massive societal upheaval and change, I feel like for the first time, I don't have a plan in two decades. And about, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, yeah, June, mid-June was the 20-year anniversary of me graduating Columbia, graduating college. So I've been in this very reflective mood, A, because it's been you know two decades since I graduated with my bachelor's degree and kind of reviewing what I've done with my life over the past 20 years, which has been a lot. I have to give myself some credit, which is something I still struggle with, giving myself credit and being kind to myself in terms of acknowledging my achievements and acknowledging my efforts and acknowledging the lessons. I think I've been stuck in a mode for so long of, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And always having a plan. So for 20 years, for better or for worse, I had some semblance of clarity of where my efforts, or at least what I th- where I thought they were leading to in terms of a professional sense or a business sense. And I think by virtue of a lot of factors that have been building for a while, I feel like 2020 has been just, we laugh about throwing the hands up in the shrug emoji. And to be honest, it's also in- indicative of the fact that I can't really project what I want to have happen or what I'm planning on having happen, where I want to be living, what I want to be doing. It is. It's it's unsettling and extremely uncomfortable to admit that I don't have a plan for the first time in two decades. And it's something that brings me anxiety. It brings me, I feel a lot of balance because I'm used to operating in that way. I'm used to, for different degrees of overworking myself, right? Of feeling like, okay, I got to know where this is leading. I got to know what the next step is. Where is this heading? And I don't feel like I have any of that right now. It hasn't dissuaded me from keeping my creative juices flowing. I find it unsettling wit because I don't know where all of this is heading. And maybe I never did. Maybe I just was in this illusion of certainty, right? An addiction to certainty that I convinced myself that, okay, you go and get this degree from college and you go get this job and you sing in this band and you do this stuff musically and you audition here and you start your business there and go to culinary school. I don't need to rehash the last 20 years of my life, nor do I want to. But in some way, maybe I convinced myself there was an illusion of certainty that all of these things are going to add up to this result. And maybe for the first time, I'm, I'm admitting that there's no certainty. There's no guaranteeing that our efforts and our hard work and our creativity and our collaborations are going to result in anything. Wow, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And at this point in my life, I'm in a different relationship with myself. That's also like, I shouldn't even say at this point in my life, I should say (laughs) at this period of my day, in this present moment. There we go. There, There we go. I would say when I said the phrase at this point in my life, I mean, recently, I haven't experienced much of those thoughts. And I think it's because I have been spending so much time over the past few months learning and really diving deep into what it means to be well and to take good care of myself and to have self-acceptance. And I've read a lot of books about this. And, and those are part of my methods of processing, understanding myself, working through these tough emotions. And so through the daily practice of reading and reflecting and journaling, I mean, even just the past few days, I've, I've really increased my journaling practice and that's massively helped. And 
I would say for you, Jason, and for anyone listening who's relating to that, one of the most helpful things that I've read is there's a two books. One is The Self-Acceptance Project, which is absolutely fantastic. I could have highlighted every word in that book. So part of the way I read is I highlight phrases and that way I can come back to them and find words of wisdom when I need them. And I highlighted like over 300 phrases in that book. I I know because I do it digitally and it's all synced through Kindle. That book, Jason, I feel like you would absolutely love. And again, for the listener, uh, we will link to that in the show notes at wellevator.com. So if you're curious about that book, highly, highly recommend it. And then the other one that I've been finishing up, actually, I'm only like 30 to 40% through it right now, but Jason, I've been thinking of you a lot as I've been reading it is, you know, I don't remember the full title of the book right off the top of my head. It's about being perfect. I think maybe it's called The Pursuit of Perfect. Let me go check real quick. But I love that book because it's also a lot about self-acceptance, but it's examining our relationship. So yes, the title of the book is The Pursuit of Perfect, How to Stop Chasing Perfection and start living a richer, happier life. It's really wonderfully written. And the author has another great book called Happier that I read, and that led me to this perfect book. And what I really like about it is he pulls from spiritual perspectives, ancient wisdom, and scientific research. And he's compiling a lot of great perspectives and advice, and he helps you unravel your relationship with perfection. And he also shares the difference between being a perfectionist and something that he calls, I believe it's an optimalist. Interesting. So instead of optimistic, it's you're optimizing your life versus trying to make it perfect. Hmm. And it's really well written. So I couldn't recommend it enough. And I feel like for you, that would be really helpful because it might be a bit of a a reframe for you to examine all of these things. And as I said, with self-awareness, it's more about not trying to fix yourself, but just trying to understand it and perhaps reframe it a little so you have a better relationship to how you're feeling. And it sounds to me like you're experiencing some pain from this. Like it's been really tough for you, Jason. And I You've shared in other episodes that you often feel like you're going through a bit of a identity crisis or something. And so maybe it would be uplifting to read a book like that. Yeah, I'm definitely open to receiving new perspectives and tools and ways of framing this. If I really look at the artists and the people, contemporary figures that I really admire, I think there's there's a thread through I've noticed and it's that there's a a chameleonic aspect to their arc, not just career-wise, but as people. I brought up David Bowie before, and I think he's a wonderful example because he was a person who started off in the late 60s as kind of this acoustic troubadour. His early albums were really you know just acoustic folk and then you know he became Ziggy Stardust and the Thin White Duke and and became a global pop icon in the 80s and got into like darker electronica with Trent Reznor and and then his final album that came out 
right around the time that he died in 2016 was phenomenal. I mean, his final album was unbelievable. And you look at the arc of his career as an artist and a person and from the fashion to the branding, to his messaging, to his lyrics. I, I mean, here's a person who, as an example of someone I deeply admire, who was, I don't know that he wasn't afraid. Maybe he was, but he trusted his instincts and kept moving in directions that perhaps people wouldn't understand or accept. He wasn't one of those artists that found a formula or a hit-making formula and just stuck with the same thing. How sometimes writers or musicians or fine artists, they'll come up with a style or a hook or some sort of thing that they're known for. You know, in Hollywood, they call it typecasting, you know? And the people that I just admire, really admire, from artists to entrepreneurs, the people I just, I don't know, I could name a lot of them. There's been a chameleonic aspect. And so I think for me, the reticence or the fear that I feel in my own personal evolution is, first of all, facing the unknown, not knowing what's coming on the other side of the chrysalis of the caterpillar being in the chrysalis, you know, and all that and turning into a butterfly. Actually, on that note, as I wrap up this kind of tangential rant about my own personal evolution and not knowing where it's heading, uh, I was watching Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith about a week ago, and he was talking about this process of how everyone you know, uses this analogy of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. This I did not know, though. When they are in the chrysalis stage, which is the embodied stage um, of when the changeover is happening, he said there's things called imaginal cells inside the chrysalis, which are the new cells that are being created that eventually transform it into a butterfly. But the immune system of the caterpillar is creating white blood cells and defense mechanisms to kill off the imaginal cells. And there's a battle that goes on within this creature that's half caterpillar, half butterfly. It's kind of in a, a limbo state. And it's only when the process flips over to actually becoming more of a butterfly and completing that evolutionary transformational process, when the imaginal cells duplicate faster than the caterpillar's immune defense mechanisms and overpower the immune system of the caterpillar, therefore becoming a butterfly, which I thought was fascinating. And to me, it just reflects my inner resistance, Whitney. Like there's some psychological defense mechanism of like, you're going into uncharted territory and what are you becoming? You don't even have a title for it yet. What are you even doing? You're not that old thing anymore, but you don't know what the new thing is. What the fuck is happening? So in my own way, metaphorically, I feel like the imaginal cells, the creative juices within me are battling the psychological immunity that's like, no, you're that old thing. You're a chef and you're a speaker and you're an author and you're all this old shit you've been doing 15 years. But the imaginal cells that are being born within me are like, no, 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 no. We're going to overpower you. So I feel like I've been in this struggle that is an analogy to the process of, again, the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. That is fascinating and very well articulated. No surprise. <laughs> I love that. And I, again, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're expressing this because there's got to be somebody listening who can relate and maybe feels alone. I, I feel like I would assume based on the way you talk about it, that you often feel alone with these feelings. Is that accurate, Jason? Yeah, yeah I do. Mm. I do. I, str- I, str- I struggle with tough. it. I struggle yeah. with it. I do. I struggle with it because I, there's the egoic part of identifying with the thing that I've been doing so long that I'm afraid of letting it go, even though I want to let go of it because of the accolades and the attention and the celebration and people knowing me for this thing. And then there's the idea of letting people down. Like they, oh, they want a certain kind of content from me. They want a certain kind of creativity, but 
whatever's being born in me, I don't have a name for it and I don't know where it's going to end up, but I'm definitely in that limbo state of the imaginal cells battling the part of my psyche and my ego that wants me to stay stuck in the old story. And I think being in that battle does feel really lonely sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's also what I've noticed with myself, with you and hearing other people, especially during this time of COVID, is it's very draining. It's emotionally exhausting. And one thing I feel like a lot of us don't account for and maybe put a lot of pressure on ourselves or judgment or guilt or shame around is not having the energy to accomplish as much as we want to. And as I said, I feel like I'm I'm kind of coming out on the other side of things in some ways, but I also know it's temporary. That's really just how I'm feeling right now. And for a large part of COVID, again, for me, that was the period of early March, mid-March, I should say, through early to mid-June 2020, it felt very emotionally heavy. And a lot of people were expressing that and they were wanting to sleep more, but feeling a lot of shame and like, oh, I don't want to sleep this much because I want to get a lot done. And I think part of what you're describing, another element of this, Jason, is it's very exhausting to transform. You know, if you go to this metaphor of the caterpillar turning into a butterfly, like the amount of work that it takes to do that transformation has got to be exhausting. Like, I don't know for sure, but when that caterpillars in the cocoon is it resting and and evolving it's kind of like you know when we're teenagers and we're going through growth spurts we often need more sleep and i imagine the caterpillar is doing a lot of sleeping before it transforms into a butterfly and so for you jason i know that you've been struggling with low energy right i mean that's something you certainly verbalized to me has that been a covid related thing is that partially that there's a lot of processing going on and that in itself is really draining for you. I think it's definitely when I feel like I'm when I'm exercising a lot of mental energy, analytical energy trying to I suppose figure things out in my life, <laughs> which is funny to even say. I'm trying to figure things out instead of just letting life happen, which I'm feel like I'm getting better at all the time. I'm still practicing just allowing and letting life happen and not being so fixated on trying to plan things and try and predict things. So I feel like the exertion of psychic, intellectual, and analytical energy on a mental level is very draining for me. And as emotional of a person as I am, and as sensitive of an emotional person as I am, I also feel like I'm pretty analytical and and get stuck in my head a lot. I do get stuck in my head. And this period of COVID has been pushing buttons in me that has been like, but you got to have a plan and you got to have a a backup plan. What if you have to leave LA? And what if you have to just throw the animals in the car and leave? And what are you going to do? And where are you going to put your stuff? And should you stay here? Are you going to get unemployment? Are you not? Like, it seems like I have been just gnashing and thrashing and throwing a fit mentally a lot during this period, because the part of me that wants to control And the part of me that wants to be predictable and the part of me that wants to have a five-year plan and the part of me that wants to be proactive and try and predict any, I don't know, ways that this could derail my life. It's just all gone to shit, you know? And I think on a spiritual level, if you want to say like, 
this whole period, I think for me and the conversations that not only you and I, Whitney, have had, but a lot of my close friends and colleagues have expressed a similar sentiment, which is, yeah, we have no idea what the hell's going to happen. Maybe this is life's way of, yeah, not only slowing us down for the earth to get a nice reset, which it has, but maybe again, it's showing us that, hey, all those illusions you had of trying to predict life and control life and expecting what you think is going to happen, it's all bullshit. To be honest, I think I'm finally realizing like life is calling me on my own bullshit. And I'm like, yeah, life, you're right. I have been trying to exert way too much control and predictability and certainty, and none of that exists. In a way, you know, perhaps all of this language we've been hearing, not just from people like Eckhart Tolle, but going back to a lot of ancient spiritual texts, that being in the present moment and not being in the future or the past, that's really all there is. And I think that is a message that I keep getting <laughs> hammered into me over and over again, is right now is all you got, dude. Anything else? Total illusion. Hmm. Well, as I said, I imagine so many people can relate to this. And I often look into trends and what people are are searching for online. And, and for the listener, if this is your first time listening to our show, or if you haven't listened to some of our recent episodes, one new thing that we're going to do or experiment with, at least in, for the time being, is to share some of the funny, interesting, kind of provocative things that people search for online. And we'll be doing that at the end of this episode. And I was actually planning on doing that towards the beginning of this episode. Oh, you were? We totally went on a different direction. Well, because <laughs> today is also International Joke Day. Oh, and I had boy. some things planned, but then it took like this serious turn. So <laughs> I'm going to save all the like joke stuff I was planning for the very end. So as we're hitting somewhere around the halfway mark, I encourage the listener to hold out for the end of this because we've got some juicy things coming. But one thing that I want to bring up now that's been an interesting trend and, and makes me feel like a lot of people are struggling with this energy balance. I mean, let's be honest, this is like an ongoing thing. One of the big human struggles is maintaining our energy. And I think part of it is because of this hustle culture, right? We're conditioned in a lot of ways to work ourselves to the bone and we're not usually encouraged to sleep. I think as awareness around health and wellness increase, we're starting to learn that we need more rest and we need more quality sleep. But we're still kind of clinging on to these old ideas of hustling and I'll sleep when I'm dead type of mentality. And so a couple things that I found are really interesting in trends is one, people have been interested in mushroom coffee. And when I saw that, I was really excited and I wanted to integrate that into an episode. And this feels like a good time because Jason and I are both very passionate about mushroom powders. And that would be things with like reishi and shaga and lion's mane. And they're all these powerful mushrooms that have tons of nutritional benefits. I'm sure we've talked about this in other episodes, but important to reiterate in this context. And then the combination of mushroom powders with coffee and, and specifically organic, really high quality coffee is so magical. One of our favorite brands is Four Sigmatic, and we're going to link to them in the show notes. They, if you haven't tried them yet, 
They are one of my favorite wellness products out there. And I feel like, Jason, you and I had like some shared history with Four Sigmatic. I don't know if I like got into them through you or around the same time. I kind of, I don't have a massive recollection of when I was introduced to Four Sigmatic, but I feel like it was with you at, at the Natural Products Expo yes. or, or Longevity also. They've been exhibitors at some of these events and trade shows that we've been to. And uh, I know that you and I have spent a lot of time trying their products together. And Four Sigmatic makes, they kind of were known, I think, in the beginning for their coffee powders, but now they have a wide variety of things. They now have matcha blends. Then they have also just mushroom powders without any caffeine. And I think it's really interesting because all their products are kind of rooted in nutritional energy. Yeah, I think it's also an exciting thing because we're kind of taking what is ancient and true in terms of the Chinese herbal medicine, the Ayurvedic herbal medicine, and having more modern interpretations and uses for these things that have been used for hundreds or in some cases, thousands of years. That's exciting to me is the blending of the ancient wisdom with the modern applications of it. And on this point with, I want to make sort of a, a declaration that it's important instead of people, I think, blindly experimenting with these super herbs, I call them super herbs because they're extremely potent, especially if you get like a 10 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1 concentration, which is a highly, highly potent herb. They do different things in the body. You mentioned Rishi and Shaga and Lion's Mane, Shiitake, Cordyceps, all these things. They all have different functional benefits. And for anyone who's not familiar with my work as a chef and nutrition educator, I'm really big into functional medicine and understanding what a particular food is going to do for your mind, body, and spirit. So since we're talking about energy, I just wanted to throw this in here as some bonus tips. Out of all the super mushrooms that are out there for energy, I really love Cordyceps. And cordyceps are also known as the silkworm mushroom. They're very long and skinny mushrooms. You can get them whole, like Dragon Herb sells them, Ron Tea Garden. You can actually get the whole cordyceps mushroom. I prefer powder. And I found that I get a ton of energy if I take it in a blend. Another one of our favorite brands that we love is Ohm Mushrooms. And they have some energy blends that we love with cordyceps mushrooms and some of these other super mushrooms. But since we're talking about energy and maintaining energy... I think at the top of my list would be a high quality cordyceps. I love that. And I'm curious, Jason, for you, I bring this up because there's this tie-in of feeling like lethargic, which is something you brought up from before we started recording. And I'm curious, like, let's just say that you take one of these products. Like, as you mentioned, we love Four Sigmatic. We love Ohm. We'll, we'll link to both of those brands in the show notes. And if we have any discount codes, we'll put them in there for you too. We're always trying to keep an eye out. Actually, I just went on the Four Sigmatic webpage and they're having a big sale, but I don't know if it'll be going when you're listening to this episode. So be sure to check in because we'll keep you posted on those things. And I'm curious for you, Jason, because I've experienced this where I can load up on coffee or mushroom powders or tea, matcha, whatever it is. And no matter how much of that stimulating ingredients that I put in my body, whether it's caffeine or the cool thing about mushrooms, by the way, in case we haven't made it clear, is that mushrooms in them on their own can be very energizing, as can a number of different foods. And so can water. Simply drinking water can give you more energy. So it really depends on whether it's like a nutritional depletion or uh, sleep or lack of hydration. There's a lot of things that can contribute 
But as I mentioned, sometimes it's an energetic depletion. Sometimes you simply need rest and you need to rest your mind. And these products won't help even when (laughs) you're taking a lot of them. So I'm curious, Jason, for you, how have you been managing your energy and have products like this helped you? Or are there times where they're not making a difference because there's something deeper at play with your lethargy? I think there's a lot of ways to address this. I First of all, I've noticed that when I'm getting consistent, high quality sleep, deep sleep, my energy levels are greatly impacted by that. Beyond that, if we're talking about products, Whitney, I think it's important to find things that really resonate with your body as an individual. As an example, Whitney, you love coffee. You love the way coffee tastes, as do I, but you also love the way that coffee feels in your body. And you're not treating it as a way to mask a deeper level of depletion or lethargy, right? You're not like, I got to have my coffee and you're not addressing your sleep. You're a person who has a very holistic approach to your well-being. For me though, I've noticed over the years, uh, especially writing my first book, Eternity, which (laughs) full disclosure, I was drinking a lot of bulletproof coffee at the time and some other stimulants that were being used for those late night writing sessions. But I found that I really don't feel great on coffee. I'll drink it a little bit from time to time, but my adrenals, my endocrine system are extremely sensitive to coffee. And if I drink coffee on even a semi-consistent basis, I feel cracked out. I mean, just jittery, anxious. I have really negative thoughts. I mean, I just, again, if I have it, it's as almost like having a little bit of whiskey or a tiny bit of wine. It's like a, a sensual pleasure, a sensorial pleasure, but I don't use coffee as an energy booster or a, a cognition booster. For me, I've noticed that a combination of uh, medicinal mushrooms, cacao, and matcha feel really good in my body, that the L-theanine, the amino acid that's primary in matcha is, I find great for my mental function, my brain function, my cognition, my retention. My brain really vibes with matcha, with raw cacao, and with a combination of these medicinal mushrooms. That's my body though. But to your point, Whitney, I don't treat it as an attempt to overcome a sleep deficit. I don't try and use it to mask things that might be going on on a deeper level. I do though, however, say, you know, when you and I have back-to-back podcasts or I have like a few Zoom meetings in a row and I got to power through my day, I'm not going to cancel, you know, two podcasts unless it's something that I really, really am fully depleted and need to just crash, right? I'm not going to cancel things like, so I'll use that matcha and cacao and mushroom combination to be like, all right, I have an hour till recording or an hour till a business call. I need to power through, but I'm very, very careful not to rely on those things to make up, as I said, for say a deeper adrenal issue or a deeper sleep deficit issue, because then those things become a crutch, right? And that's a dangerous place to be when we're using even healthy substances as a crutch to try and overcome a a deeper issue. Very well said. And I I think it's really interesting, our relationships with coffee, because we were talking before about distractions. And sometimes we're like trying to put a Band-Aid on something versus addressing the root problem. And I think that's one of the reasons mushroom coffee is kind of growing in popularity. It's, It's combining two things. And that's one of the reasons that we've loved brands like OM, which stands for, I think, Organic Mushroom. One of the cool things about them is they make mainly, if not entirely, caffeine-free products, 
right? Maybe there's some sort of, it's not coffee, but maybe they use like yerba mate. Or, I don't recall. Do you, Jason? They're, well, are they I've, caffeine free or are they just dependent on the mushrooms as the stimulant? Or? I haven't checked their formula. They sometimes tweak their formulas. It used to be, I believe, they had a, an energy product that I think had guarana in it, which is a South American berry that does have caffeine. It, it is similar to the coffee berry. I don't know what the caffeine comparison would be between a coffee bean and the guarana berry. But it is kind of in that pantheon of of a natural source of caffeine. And that Energizer product, man, it works. I have used it for years off and on as a pre-workout Energizer before I hit the gym or go to yoga. And that shit is potent. Potent. I was really hoping you were going to say that. Little inside joke. Another cool thing, since we're on the subject of coffee... And our friend Melissa shared this with me, which I really want to try this. There's a company out there called Avocado Joe instead of Avocado, Avocado Joe. <laughs> Cute. And it's the world's first bottled avocado coffee. And it's a plant-based version of bulletproof coffee. What? Now, just to clarify, when Jason said that he had bulletproof coffee, a lot of people associate bulletproof coffee with coffee and added butter. And that was kind of like the generic term, but there's also the bulletproof brand. And so you technically can still have that bulletproof coffee trend and add things like coconut oil or MCT oil or even vegan butter into it. People often were using like ghee or dairy-based butter, but there's definitely ways to veganize it. And I'm really curious about Avocado Joe because it's a take on bulletproof coffee using avocado as the fat. And so they just did a Kickstarter where they're in the middle. Or yeah, I think they're wrapping it up as of the time that we're recording this. I'm certainly want to get in touch with them. So if I do, we could share or I could share. I don't know if Jason would try it. You'd probably try it, right? You're not like a completely opposed to coffee right now. No, Are you, no, Jason? no, no. Like, oh, okay. I, like I said, I, I enjoy it like with Michael, my mentor, you know, we have a special bottle of, I don't know, like 50 year aged Japanese whiskey that on special occasions we'll do a shot together. You know, I'm very into the tactile sensation and tasting things and, and making sure my palate, you know, stays active and alert. I love the taste of coffee. It's just, I don't, in high concentrations, I don't like how it makes my body feel. Well, I'm really grateful for that because I love experiencing new things with other people like Jason. So, Hopefully I will get my hands on some avocado and maybe we can do like a taste test in an episode. I don't know how. I, you know what? Days, hey, but... if mukbang is a thing on video, <laughs> maybe we will do uh, pod bong. Pod. I don't know what the hell we would call it. A podcast taste test. Let's do that. Let's do well, that. Well, hopefully we'll get back to doing videos. And for the listener, we recorded a lot of our episodes before quarantine on camera and we were uploading them to our patreon as a perk so if you didn't know this yet you can support us financially on patreon if you just go to our show notes you'll find the link or, or search for wellevator on patreon and just for a few dollars you can get access to things like videos and one thing i want to do soon is start doing virtual videos not just so that because jason and i right now don't record in person like we used to and that might change, although I would say our setups are pretty nice and it's convenient not to have to travel anywhere to record the podcast. We just go in our home office spaces. 
but certainly with guests, it'd be nice to have video with them again, just so you can see people's expressions and body language and what they're wearing, you know, see more like, I just think it, it adds a level of connection that I've really been missing. And yeah, so we could do that mukbang. It, it could also be ASMR, just the sound of somebody drinking <laughs> something. But you know, not everybody's into ASMR. Mm. So you might get really turned off if you hear us like drinking coffee and all the little sounds that come along with it. I'm curious about that. And this is a reminder too, for you, the listener that Jason and I really want your feedback. And we do get a lot of positive feedback on Instagram, which I'm super grateful for. You can find us at Wellevator, and that's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And every once in a while, someone will send us a message. We got one earlier today that's really sweet, and I'm very, very grateful for it. But I also would love to hear specific feedback, whether it's constructive criticism or a suggestion, things that you want to see more of or less of or hear, I should say. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us via direct message on social media or through email. Our email is hello at wellevator.com. Or you can go to the show notes that I've mentioned a few times, which again are at wellevator.com. There's a comment section there. So comment and let us know. What do you think of ASMR? Do you want to see us do more video? Do you like coffee? Like any of these things? Can you relate to how Jason's been feeling? You know, we, we really would love to chat with you. Well, I think as we start to wrap up the episode, Jason, we, should we dive into the fun stuff that I had planned for today? Yes, of course. I always love Unless fun you had anything stuff. else to say I don't, on the serious note. Well, this is semi-serious, but if you are a person who follows the podcast and wants to comment, please don't spam us with MLM offers. We get those comments on our website sometime of, hey, have you guys heard of CBD? Really? Yeah. I haven't I, you've have you been seeing those lately? Yeah, and I go in and delete oh, them. I go in and delete them. So so I, I haven't seen those. I just think I always laugh whenever we get anonymous pitches from people that are like, Yeah, we did a whole episode on C B D and marijuana. And they're like, Have you heard of C B D? There's all these advantages. Da 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 and I'm like, Oh man, delete. You know, so if this is a tangential side note, but if someone doesn't take the time to actually research who we are, what we're talking about, what we're passionate about, or what our previous episodes were, and then we get a pitch about that thing we talked about, I'm always like, nope, bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs> so with all due respect, if you, the listener, or any colleagues or brands or anyone wants to work with us or collab, I'm just encouraging you to do your research first so that when you pitch us, um, you know, it lands. <laughs> Plus, I mean, it's part of our integrity as content creators and influencers, if you want to use that term, to really believe in what we're talking about. And you know, I was thinking about this earlier today because I don't know about you, Jason. I would imagine you're in a similar boat as me. I get pitched every single day yep. to review products. Yep. Every day. Especially now that we've been in the podcast game over six months now. I feel like since the podcast has started to gain more momentum, thank you listeners for your love, the number of pitches has increased the more the podcast gets out there. I've noticed that. But I'm not talking about the podcast specifically. I'm saying with my brand, Eco Vegan Gal, and whatever else I'm doing online, every single day I get pitches. And it's really interesting because the more I get, the more discerning I am about what I say yes and no to. And I've also been working on a offering, a training for brands to help them understand how to better work with influencers. 
And today I was just reflecting on how some brands think that if they send you their product for free, that A, you're going to do all this work for them. And B, that's not true because, uh, <laughs> you know, Jason and I have been in this world for many years as content creators and professionals. So, you know, our time is very valuable, as is your time as a listener. We, all of our time is valuable. But there's like this trend of people thinking like, if I send you this, you're going to do all this work. But we were, I'm bringing this up because I find that it takes me a lot of time to use a product before I know how much I like it. And in the past, I have sometimes felt rushed to recommend things that I didn't fully believe in, and then my opinion would change. And so when we bring up brands like Four Sigmatic and Ohm, those are products that we have each been using for many years. We have so much experience with them. We have trust with the company, and that allows us to really recommend it. And to Jason's point, when you just get pitched by someone who thinks that they can send you something to earn your endorsement or pay you to earn your endorsement, it's actually a big disservice to you, the listener, and that would be really out of integrity. So <laughs> I think to piggyback on what Jason's saying, if you're listening and, and hoping you can pitch us on something, you know, we really take a lot of time to reflect on it. Same thing goes with our guests. We get a lot of guest pitches and we've had to create this new system to address them because the people we bring on our show are, I think, entirely, there's maybe like one or two instances where we recorded with someone we didn't know super well, but that was like through a recommendation of somebody else. But everybody else on the show is someone that Jason and I have known for a decent amount of time. In fact, most of our guests we've known for a minimum of five years, but a lot of them average closer to 10 years. And we're, we really want to bring on people we align with. And we take our relationship with you, the listener, very seriously. We never want to recommend somebody or share something that doesn't feel like it's in alignment with us, unless it's like to prove the point of getting out of your comfort zone. I think that's like a different story. Or like in the case of trying a new product, like maybe we'll try something new and share our immediate impressions of it. But anyways, that's a long way of going into this. With no further ado, Jason, I feel like we should now jump into the fun segment that I've been teasing. And it's a nice little note to wrap up on. So again, for the listener, our new thing that we would love your feedback on and we're experimenting right now is ending each episode by going into like keyword trends or analytic queries. We did a whole episode on this. If you want to hear the background of it, we'll link to it in the show notes for this episode where we talked about Google Analytics and how people find our podcast and our website. And so I have a regular practice, at least a few times a week, I go and I just kind of monitor the keywords people are using. And I also will look at trends. Like I talked about mushroom coffee as a trend and maybe avocado coffee is going to be a new trend. But I also like to see what's happening in the world. So with today being International Joke Day, I thought it'd be interesting to look at some <laughs> the joke-related terms people have used for us, Jason. Mm. And I found some interesting things. Okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, as a trend, I'm curious, Jason, how would you, what your definition of this word will be before I tell you what the actual definition is? So I saw this trend on the internet right now called copy pasta. No. What do you idea. think that? 
If you had to guess, what what do you think copy pasta means? People are 3D printing pasta now. That's my first guess and only guess. Well, now I'm like second guessing it myself. I'm like, is this a real thing? What is it? What is copy pasta? Yeah, I'm double checking it now because I was starting to second guess myself. So a copy pasta is defined by Wikipedia as a block of text that is copied and pasted across the internet. So maybe it's pronounced copy pasta, but it's spelled pasta, or maybe it's called copy pasta (laughs) to be funny, but let's say you could think of it as copy pasta. So people will paste the same phrase over and over again in things like online forums and social networking websites, and it's basically spam. And I think I've been seeing this on TikTok, and maybe that would explain it. There's like this trend and TikTok skewing a lot of younger kids. I'm sure this is like just something they do to entertain themselves, which is to take like a a phrase and paste it in the comment section of videos, even if it has nothing to do with that video. And it, yeah, I guess it's just like an, uh, an amusement. So that would certainly fall into International Joke Day. Like, this will be funny. I'm going to play a, a prank on somebody by pasting obnoxious things. Hopefully no one does that on our show notes because if, that would certainly get annoying. Well, uh, if you're going to do it, though, make sure it's creative and interesting. Like like what? Like, I, I don't know. And unrelated, tangential and cre- like, them hedgehogs balls ain't spiky enough. And then my mind goes to like, wow, do hedgehogs actually have spikes on their balls too? They, but if somebody pasted that that phrase like a hundred times, you would get really pissed off about it, wouldn't you? Yeah, unless they songified it and been like, "Damn, hedgehog balls ain't spiky enough." No, no, hedgehog balls ain't spicy enough. Like, I don't know if they got creative with, but yeah, probably by the hundredth time, I'd be annoyed. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, you're welcome to do that. And I kind of feel like our listeners are not the type to do those things, but maybe we're giving them permission to experiment a little. And that reminds me of the benefits of jokes for our well-being is that laughter is really great medicine. You know, going back to what I was saying at the beginning of this episode, how time flies when you're having fun. And I think if you are feeling bored, jokes are a really fun way to spend your time. And that perhaps explains the popularity and draw of a platform like TikTok because it's generally very funny and people are very creative on there and they have these fun jokes and, you know, you kind of get in on on things. There's memes on platforms like TikTok. So the more you use the platform, the more you get them and thus you like feel like you're on the inside. And that brings us all together too, which is also helpful for our well-being is that feeling of community like, ooh, we're bonded because we're all laughing about the same thing. And it's also interesting, again, on platforms like TikTok, some of the funniest things are like people doing human things that we can all relate to. And it's like, it's funny because it's true type of a thing. And it's very relatable. So if you see somebody trip and fall, that's always funny. We talked about this in our episode about pranks, which we can listen to. I mean, we'll link to so you can listen to if you haven't yet. That drew some people to our website as well and brought up some of these search queries that I'm I'm going to bring up. So I think like comedy in general, we talked about this in the previous episode, the power of comedy and Jason's background as a comedian and missing going to watch comedians in person. But Jason, this might be a good time for you to plug some of your favorite comedian videos. I know you were recently talking about, was it Dave LaChapelle had a good uh, stand-up routine or something? Well, Dave Chappelle came out with... Did I just say LaChapelle? Yeah, and that's the... I don't know why. 
Yeah, Wait. Dave LaChapelle was the music video director. Oh, got it. Yeah. Thank you. Dave Chappelle. Different person. Yeah, very different person. Yes. <laughs> it was, I would say it's much more of a direct and scathing social commentary than a stand-up special. Recently, Netflix released 8 Minutes and 46 Seconds, where Dave Chappelle is talking about George Floyd, and he's talking about racial profiling, and he's talking about racism. And he sprinkled some comedy in there, but it was a side of Dave Chappelle I've never really seen on stage before, which I think made it all the more poignant. But I watched that recently. I have been diving back into my favorite comedian of all time, which is George Carlin. And a lot of his comedy from the 90s and early 2000s that was very prescient in terms of government control and surveillance and pharmaceuticals. And I mean, he was saying some stuff back then that you're like, damn, this dude was predicting the future. So been been watching Dave Chappelle, been watching George Carlin. The woman I'm dating, Laura, has turned me on to Tom Segura. I never watched Tom Segura stuff. He's funny as hell. During this quarantine period, by virtue of dating someone who's really into stand-up comedy and is a, a lot more of a student of the game than I am, she's been turning me on to a lot of people. The other person I'm really, really liking who is very clean, like he doesn't swear or really talk about dirty stuff, but he's hilarious and really creative, is Mike Burbiglia. That's a person I never touched upon before either. So kind of going back to the old Carlin stuff and the Chappelle stuff, which are people I've loved for years, but also getting turned on a new comedy. So there's my recommendations. Excellent. You're always full of good recommendations. And we'll certainly link to some of those in the show notes for you to make it really easy for the listeners to find some of these things. All right. As I've promised, before we wrap up, I'm going to share with you some of the search queries that brought people to our website and that are related to jokes. So I'm going to do it in a format, Jason, where I would love you to share what comes to mind related to this. So what is a joke that makes you pee your pants? I've never... What? I've never pissed in my pants from a joke ever. Come on. Are you serious? No. You've never peed in your pants because you were laughing so hard. Like, I'm not talking about like a lot, just a little. No. What do you mean? I have no, I have never in my life. Is that a girl thing or? I've never pissed myself from a joke. So I can't answer that question. But it makes sense because when you laugh, you're kind of, your muscles are tensing. And so your bladder control might not be as strong. And so you can't help but like pee a little. But you know the phrase, like, I laugh so hard I peed in my pants. Yeah, of course. I've just never done it before. Wow. I've never done it. What kind of joke would do? I, I mean, the stuff that makes me laugh really hard is stuff that is so wild and outrageous and out there. I mean, I always go back to Robin Williams because his mind was so quick and so tangential and the way he would link seemingly disjointed, disassociative concepts and make them work together. Like someone like Robin Williams, who just came out with some outrageous shit. Like those are the kind of comedians that I tend to gravitate towards. So I don't know, maybe something like that, that's so avant-garde and so weird and so bizarro. But again, I've never pissed myself from laughing. Wow. I feel like you, you've been missing out on life. You <laughs> haven't the greatest, lived. You haven't lived if you haven't peed your pants because you're laughing so hard. Well, you know, I feel like you're thinking about kind of traditional jokes. But for me, when I think of what really makes me laugh, and also a phrase that I've used a lot with my sister and close friends is like, things that are so funny, my body feels weak, like I can't breathe or I can't 
move my body. Like I feel like paralyzed or I, I can't like, I don't have control over myself, like that type of weakness. Yeah. I was just on the phone with my sister for the first time that we've had like a long conversation in a while. And just like the way that my laugh is, like it's like a full belly laugh and like I can barely get out the words. And I'm also thinking back, Jason, you and I have these moments very frequently. And I have a, one memory is um, when you and I were on our road trip to Colorado last year, which by the way, I'm planning on editing that video. And so when that's finally done, I'll, I can put that in the show notes because that was such a lovely experience that Jason and I shared. And do you remember there was one night in, in one of the hotel rooms where I was trying to tell you something, but I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I was laughing so hard. Yeah, I think I have a video of it. Yeah, you do for sure. <laughs> I saw the video when I was looking for some other photos of ours. I kind of want to play it in real time right now. No, no, no. <laughs> but it, it was funny because I was trying to like get you to say something that I knew was going to make me laugh. And it was the anticipation of you saying it that was making me laugh already. And then because I, I was laughing so hard, I couldn't get the words out. And so you started to laugh. And it was like this whole domino effect of laughter. And those are some of the greatest joys of all time of, of like, it's not even quite a joke. It's just like, makes you laugh really hard. And, and that's what I associate with like laughing so hard and peeing my pants. Yeah. I mean, I definitely know about losing my breath and laughing so hard that you have to be like, oh, okay. Uh, uh, and then you start laughing again because you it's funny that you can't breathe like i know that i've never urinated or defecated in my pants from laughing <laughs> i wonder how many people defecate because they're laughing so hard oh i'm sounds... sure it's more common than we realize yeah could be of people laughing so hard that they sharp themselves you know what i mean it's got to be a thing probably is and maybe no one wants to admit it certainly not in the search queries Another interesting one that came up was bodybuilder jokes. And I sat for a moment. I'm like, why did somebody search for that and find our website? But it makes sense because we had Robert Cheek on, who's a vegan bodybuilder. And that's actually one of our most popular episodes of all time. And one of my favorites because Robert got very vulnerable. He shared a lot about things like social media and his anxiety. But that query probably led to our site because we were sharing some inside jokes. So if you're curious and you want to hear a lighthearted, an episode that goes from like lighthearted to very vulnerable and real and honest, that one is one I highly recommend. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And then when I saw that search query, I texted Robert and asked if he knew any actual bodybuilder jokes that we could share. He hasn't gotten back to me yet, but when he does, if he shares a good one, I will link to that in the show notes as well for anybody looking for a good bodybuilder joke. Uh, we were referencing Ronnie Coleman as our inside joke. I don't know if if Ronnie and himself, like on his own, would count as a joke, but he's certainly very amusing in a very sweet way. And then a couple more before we officially wrap up is <laughs> somebody searched for the phrase, "Did you hear about the chiropractor who?" <laughs> what and in the like, absolute hell it's like the what? beginning of some punch so there must be some joke about chiropractors that did you hear about the chiro i'm gonna look it up keep going okay 
I know. I was about to look it up too. Another one that doesn't make sense to me. I'm curious if you know what this term means. The search phrase was take me out jokes. Do you know about this, Jason? No, I'm still tripping. Take me out. No, I'm still tripping on the chiropractor thing. Apparently there's a book of chiropractor jokes. That's the first thing. There's a book. Someone wrote a book about chiropractor jokes. What in the absolute hell? Oh my God. The first one that comes up, are you ready for this? What do you call a chiropractor that loves his job? A crack addict. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of the, here's another one while I'm on it. Have you heard of the good looking chiropractor who fixes neck injuries? She's a real head turner. (laughs) All dad jokes. All dad jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, but it's funny because I associate chiropractors with like middle-aged men. (laughs) So maybe many of them are dads and thus like that they appeal. I'm not sure. This take me out joke. The first thing I saw when I looked it up was that it's like related to some TV show or something called Take Me Out, which I'm not familiar with, but it looks like it was a UK show. And then like there's a Reddit thread of can someone take me out? I think does take me out mean like <laughs> like take me out to pasture or <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, but yeah, it looks like a lot of these, the take me out is the name of some show. Maybe it's not a UK show. I don't know. I'm getting a lot of different search results, but it does look like it's UK related. So thus, I'm not familiar with it. So yeah, it was a British game show. Okay. It was presented by a comedian. So thus, maybe people are looking for some of the highlights from that TV show. Got it. All right. See, we get educated on this show as well. Well, unless you had another joke you wanted to share, Jason, I think it's time that we wrap up. No, I I don't have one off the top of my head. Uh, Fair enough. My style of stand-up was never like one-liner jokes. It was more like storytelling. So, yeah, we can save that for another episode. Maybe we'll just uh, have a whole episode on jokes and stand I don't know. Who the hell knows? I have nothing. We did that in our our April Fool's episode. Did we? Yeah, that's what I thought. I feel like I want to look up as we close. Do you know any vegan jokes, Whitney? Is that a serious question? <laughs> no. See, I'm not reason. like, to me, when I hear that, I'm like, ugh, they're going to be some dumb joke that's not going to make me laugh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like the cliche stuff. Um, it depends on the context. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes dad jokes can be really funny. This is ridiculous. Veganism is like communism. They're both fine unless you like food. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm laughing on the inside. Who is the vegan cousin of Bruce Lee? Broccoli. <laughs> oh, no. wow. This is making me uncomfortable, I have These are to bad. say. These are bad. Yeah. These are bad. These are really well, bad. Well, again, we invite you, the listener, to share with us your inputs. If you have any good jokes that you would like to share, please tell us. If you have feedback, if you want to chime in on something, if you have questions, if you want to know that you're not alone and how you're feeling, Please be part of the show notes. There's a, there can be a whole community there. So there's a comment section. You can become part of our social media community, which is at Wellevator on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, even TikTok. We do a little bit on there, not as much as we'd like. We're still kind of trying to figure out what to post on TikTok. Mainly it's, it's videos of Jason dancing and being goofy. So maybe that'll make you laugh. You can go see what we've recorded. 
We just want to have you part of the conversation. We want you to know how valuable you are. We are grateful for you listening and staying through to the end of the episodes. I hope that you got some value here. You got some things to reflect on. You uh, laughed a little bit. And we will be back with another episode very soon. We have an incredible guest coming up this week per usual. So stay tuned. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. And check out the show notes at wellevator.com, which one more time is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You'll find links to videos and books and previous episodes and products we love like Four Sigmatic and Ohm. And and we will be sure to keep you posted on things that we're trying like Avocado. Little shout out to them, even though we've, we've never tried it before, but in good faith, hopefully it's really good. But Jason and I really like avocados and I really like coffee. So fingers crossed the combination is, is uh, wonderful. What could go wrong? Nothing. We are always up for trying new things. And we leave you with this. The spirit of experimentation. You may not know where life is leading you. You may not know what's next. You may not know what the next chapter of your life is. But the willingness to experiment and try new things and venture into new territory, I think, is part of the spirit that moves us forward through life. So ending on that note, hopefully it's profound. We love you. We appreciate you. And thanks for getting uncomfortable with us. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 